Good morning, goddesses and gods alike. This is Shannon, and I'm your host, and you're listening to the Goddess Morning Show podcast, where you can tune in every weekday morning for an approximately 20-minute long episode to start your day with updates on things that matter to a community of awake and conscious individuals who seek the divine feminine in all we do. We sift through all the copious amounts of information on the internet to bring you news and information on the things that matter to you. Tune in to hear about environmental news and book releases, interviews with thought leaders influencing the awakening of humanity, the moon phases, planetary positions, crystal healing, herbal and holistic health, guidance on green living, and that's just naming a few. Please remember to subscribe and leave a review on whatever platform you are listening to us on right now. Be blessed. Namaste. Good morning, goddesses and gods alike. It is Wednesday, March 18th, 2020. This is the Goddess Morning Show, and I am your host, Shannon. Thank you for joining us. Um, I wanted to start out talking about a Zoom call, a town hall call that I just got off of with other people that I follow on their podcasts. Number one of those is Joanna DeVoe, who has the Hippie Witch podcast and Patreon group. And it was actually very uplifting, some of the ideas that people had as far as perspectives on how to think about what's going on in the world right now, how to cope with it, and um, maybe some good that can come from it. And I was really uh, pleased to see that people are taking time to think about ways to approach this that aren't just all gloom and doom. So one of the things is that we can talk about the concern others are having about paper products and that it's pretty easy to go zero waste right now and not have not use disposable paper products if they're especially if they're not available in your area and basically move to a cloth alternative so if you haven't already check out blogs on zero waste and how they utilize cloth for paper towels baby wipes toilet paper and the like Perhaps that's something that this situation might move you closer toward understanding and wanting to do. Take time to make delicious food and homemade food and feasts to share and sit around the table and talk with your family and catch up with people by phone or FaceTime. Maybe make all your do-it-yourself crafts and herbal products and It's kind of like the winter is extended and it's too cold to go outside, which is kind of a bummer. But if you can go out in nature, outside to a private place or a place where you aren't around other people, maybe a spot by a creek or a spot in a park, in a forest, anything you can do to get outside and be around the sunshine and the warming weather, that's going to lift your mood. And we all know that Fresh air and the vitamin D that comes from sun definitely has a positive impact on depression. 
And so I want to encourage people to do that. And as we get closer to spring equinox, uh, we have a simple candle and seed spell that came out on patheos.com by Gwen on March 5th of this year. And she says, as a green witch, seasonal changes such as the spring equinox energize me. I love to celebrate this day, which honors the shift that nature is undertaking. The focus of my Ostara observance is the Earth Mother rather than Eostra or other deities. So I thought I would share a candle and seed spell, which is appropriate for both seasonal celebration or any magical working. When it comes to the seasonal holidays, I love to dress my altar for the occasion. Sometimes the decorations will be elaborate, as in Samhain or Yule, while at other seasons, the additions are more understated. My spring, summer, and autumn seasonal holiday adornments are usually flowers, plants, seeds, and leaves. Most often for spring equinox, there will be elements that can be added to my garden once it's warm enough. Last year, I had hydroponic tulips on my altar, the bulbs of which I dried and planted outside my home. Our family moved from that location a couple weeks ago, but as I walked the perimeter of the house, I noticed one of the tulips was growing, and I wondered if the weather held up, it would most likely bloom around Ostara. There's something beautiful in that as I bid that space farewell. While I cannot guarantee anything in my experience, the plants which hold space on my altar for a time thrive when moved to another location. They become strong allies in the protection of my home and other magical workings. Therefore, when it comes to spring and summer celebrations in particular, I recommend including living plants in your rites. Whether seed, seedling, or mature plant, most magical practitioners will find their inclusion valuable beyond the holiday moment. Tulips are valuable as a protector and can be used to ward against negative energy or spirits. They are an ally which will bring you luck and good fortune toward your intention. They are useful in love, attraction, and banishment. The flowers are available in a variety of colors. Daffodils are excellent allies in magic for fertility. This can include artistic creations such as writing, music, drawing, sculpting, or dance. They also are great allies for love, abundance, and luck. African violets are wonderful to have on your altar, and if you are in a climate where wild violets are available for magical working and wild crafting, then I recommend you work with these lovely blossoms. However, when working with an indoor violet, I have found African violet to be a strong ally. Easy to maintain with a very sweet spirit, the African violet are wonderful protectors of the home. They can help raise energy, promote spirituality, and makes an excellent charm against mischief. Hyacinth, which is toxic, so don't use it on the skin or ingest it, is a beautiful flower to work with for peace, joy, dream protection, and because of its connection to Apollo, Apollo and Hyacinthus, is wonderful for use by homosexual practitioners in love, relationship, attraction, magic. Echinacea, well known for its healing properties, this flower can be used to add extra power to your spells and rituals, aid in psychic ability, increase fertility, abundance, and provide protection in multiple areas. Hibiscus, known for healing properties, it can help psychic ability, dream clarity, love, lust, divination, and harmony. Rose, a 
are beautiful blooms that come in many varieties of shapes, sizes, and colors. They are powerful allies for protection, love, abundance, happiness, and luck. So my philosophy about spellcraft is that a simple spell with focused intention is every bit as powerful as one which is filled with multiple complex steps. This has been proven to me time and time again for the past 20 years. Sure, I can get elaborate as the next person with my rituals or spellcraft, but never underestimate the effectiveness of the simple candle spell. For me, it's important to keep the intention as succinct as possible, write it down and keep it to one or two lines. Once you have a clear intention, you can determine which allies will best assist in your magical working. This can be living plants, dried herbs, stones, animal spirits, trees, whichever spirit allies work with you. However, the purpose of the candle and seed spell, you will need to include the seeds of a plant ally, which will strengthen your spell's intention. Determine the color correspondence for the candle, unless you choose natural beeswax. You can use a book or go with your instinct if a particular color is needed for your intention. Determine the best day or time in which your spell should be done if you have time to plan it. However, I have found that a simple candle spell can be used at any time when the intention is very clear. And remember, if you're having difficulty in visualizing intention, there are ways to focus, including sound, tactile senses, scent, etc. My instructions for the spell are very basic. Use what is written below as a framework to craft the spell you need to desire. What you will need. Small slip of paper and pencil, candle and lighter matches, seeds, items to represent earth, air, fire, and water, items to represent your allies, herbs, live plants, stones, statues, etc., a small pot with soil, a small bowl of water. Set up your altar area with representations of the elements and spirit allies. Place the candle, seed bowl of water, and a small pot in front of you. Use the paper and pencil to write down your intention. This is best for spells that need to hold for protection or grow over time. Ground and center, prepare yourself a sh through a short meditation if that works for you. Cast a circle or use the sacred smoke of choice to create a ritual space. Invite the elements and allies to join you and lend their powers to the spell. Read your intention, speak the words aloud, think about them, focus in the way which serves you best. Light the candle while speaking the words of your intention. Plant the seed in the small pot filled with soil while speaking the words of your intention. Pour the water from the bowl over the soil while speaking the words of your intention. Fold the paper and place it under the soil away from the seeds while speaking the words of your intention. Thank the elements and allies for joining in and assisting you. Release the sacred space and allow the candle to burn until it extinguishes. Let the seed pot hold space on the altar, then move to where growth can occur. All right, so our next article talks about how to make medicinal vinegars and oxymels. And this came to us from, Mount, um, I'm sorry, oh my gosh, I didn't write down where it came. I will link to this article in the podcast notes so that, oh, I'm sorry, it came from the nerdy farm wife. So... I am so glad I found that before I accidentally didn't give credit. 
So medicinal vinegars have been around since ancient times and were an excellent way to preserve and dispense herbs before distilled spirits were known about. While the advantages of using vodka or brandy to make your herbal tinctures are many, including greater potency and longer shelf life, there are those who wish to avoid alcohol for personal reasons or cost factors, making vinegar extracts ideal for them to create. Vinegar extracts are weaker than alcohol-based tinctures, so they require a higher dose. While vinegar won't draw out as many of the beneficial components of an herb that alcohol will, it does excel at drawing minerals and vitamins from a plant. Add those extra nutrients to the already established benefits of apple cider vinegar, and you have a great option for your herbal remedies toolbox. So the standard formula to follow is one part dry herb to seven parts vinegar. She says, I'm not always that precise when I make herbal remedies. I'm something of a pinch of this and a pinch of that type. That works too. Don't let the feeling of having to be so precise or the world will end keep you from trying your hand at making this type of stuff. It's hard to mess it up. Cover tightly, shake, and store in a cool, dark place to macerate for about two to three weeks, shaking daily. Make sure that you use a plastic cap or a layer of plastic wrap or wax paper between the jar and the metal lid. Otherwise, the vinegar will eat away at the metal and ruin the whole batch. Dry herbs generously make a strong extract, more strong than fresh, and have a longer shelf life. If you do use fresh plants, be sure to store in a cool place or even better, the refrigerator. Vinegar extracts have a shelf life of around six months, if not longer. While there are people that have no problem with the taste of straight vinegar, I'm not one of them. To dose, I mix an equal part of honey. By doing this, you're making a most basic of oxymals. Drink some water after taking and swish your mouth out a bit because vinegar should not stay against the teeth for long as it's not good for them. Even better, put your spoonful into a cup of plain water, juice, or even ginger ale and then drink it. Two to three teaspoons at a time, up to five times a day, is the usual dose. Be careful taking vinegar on a routine basis, though. I do realize that some do and are perfectly fine doing so, but if you are on medications, struggle with low blood potassium, or are just unsure of how it will affect you, check with your doctor or naturopath first. An oxymel is just a sweet and sour herbal syrup. It contains vinegar, honey, and herbs. They're very beneficial for respiratory conditions, so the herbs contained therein will usually reflect that. For the cold method making of an oxymel, fill a small jar about half to three-fourths full of herbs. Pour honey over them, then vinegar. Use about a third of the jar filled with honey and two-thirds for the rest of it in vinegar. Or for a sweeter syrup, try half and half. It's a very flexible amount. Both honey and vinegar act as preservatives, so you're not going to ruin the mixture by altering the ratios. Stir it all together. It might not blend well at first. That's okay. Just stir it or shake it every day for about two weeks, then strain the herbs out, bottle it up, and store in a cool place or the refrigerator. For the hot method of making an oxymel, which is faster, simmer your herbs and vinegar together for about 10 to 20 minutes, strain out, and stir in honey while the vinegar is still warm. Take oxymels by the spoonful, as needed for sore throats, thick congested coughs, or as a general treatment to combat cold and respiratory sy sy symptoms. <laughs> Shelf life for oxymels is about nine months to a year. So a sample recipe would be a handful of rosemary, a handful of sage, a third of the jar with honey, 
topped with apple cider vinegar. This is a good one to keep on hand, specifically for upper respiratory infections, not intended for pregnant or nursing women. And a few herbs to consider when creating medicinal vinegars or oxymels, which this is not an exhaustive list by any means, are rosemary, useful for low energy and poor circulation, good for digestion and nerves, avoid daily use or medicinal levels if pregnant, sage, which is an antifungal, antibacterial, antiviral, it's contraindications that it dries up milk flow, not for medicinal use by pregnant or nursing women, and do not take for an extended amount of time. Time for upper respiratory infections, coughs, bronchitis, antiviral, hmm, and antibacterial. Oregano, antibacterial, antiviral, useful for upper respiratory infections. Bee balm, sore throat, antibacterial, helpful for thick congested coughs or fever. Mint, which is stomach-soothing, digestive aid. Rose petals, astringent and anti-inflammatory. Elderflowers, specific for sore throats and good immune boosting. Raspberry leaves are a general tonic for women. Lemon peel can be added for flavor. So if you don't have your own herbs growing, one of the things that they recommend are mountain rose herbs. And she says it's her favorite resource for high-quality organic dried herbs. All right, our next article is Rethinking Chakras, Kirtan, and Other Borrowed Practices, written on March 9th on pathios.com by Gwen. In recent years, I have been examining my use of borrowed practices, and should I continue to use them or not? The process began when I learned the use of white sage while smudging belongs to a specific ritual. My family and I discussed cultural appropriation versus appreciation. Taking the time to learn the ritual's origins, I now incorporate the cleansing smoke of many plant allies into my witchcraft, but better understanding, intention, and respect. But this perspective brought to light other borrowed practices to be reconsidered. Have you heard of Kirtan? So let me share another story on how borrowing practices can be problematic. 19 years ago, a friend invited me to her favorite yoga studio to experience a chanting practice called kirtan. She told me it was a kind of meditation, and that's all the information I received about the event. It sounded cool, so I decided to go. Upon arrival, we were directed to sit on floor mats in a comfortable manner, close our eyes, and listen to a recording. Printed sheets were handed out so we could silently read the Sanskrit words being chorused. Seeing along was optional. I remember no explanation other than the practice would induce a meditative state. Based on some of the words, I recognized that some Hindu deities were probably being called. In spite of the ambiguity, I had a meaningful experience and began attending the monthly sessions with my friend for over a year. However, I maintained an ignorance as the overall intention. I had no idea what the chants were meant to invoke or the origins of the practice only that I felt peaceful in the end, and that was enough for me. Herein lies the problem. I never asked or bothered to investigate the roots of Kirtan or how it is employed in Indian religions. I have since learned that Kirtan is a call-and-response style song or chant set to music, a practice dating back 500 years that may tell a legend, discuss spiritual ideas, or express devotion to a deity. And that's the simple explanation. My shallow experience pales in the reality that is Kirtan. Indian gurus brought beautiful practices with them to the West. 
However, the information became lost in translation to the point many Westerners miss what makes these practices significant in favor of feel-good vibes, or, let's be honest, to make a buck. Upon reflection, my use of chakras is superficial at best. This is not true for all of us. Even so, I'm sure there are others who will recognize this in their own spiritual path. But that fact, for me, is why I have been learning more about the origin of such practices as chakras. Am I adding the concept because it brings value to my spiritual path or because it's the thing to do? Do I honor the rich tradition from which it came from by inclusion or not? What I've learned is chakras are more complex than what books, classes, or yoga teachers have revealed over the years. Instead, the concept has been watered down to a more palatable form. Ideas, teachings, or beliefs adapted without reflecting its source, leaving people to accept what has been fitted into a neat package without question, curiosity, or context. For me, the decision to include borrow practices comes down to answering a few questions. Is the practice based on shared or universal belief? Are multiple applications applied to the concept, brief, belief, or practice? Is the practice unique to religion or culture? This is what I recommend to anyone who is wrestling with these questions. There are some concepts that are universal or shared through human experience. The ethereal or energetic body is one of those common concepts. But what of the concepts created by specific religions? Chakras are unique to the philosophy and religions of India. If I, were supposed, if I were to spend the time and energy studying how to apply concepts to my life, then I'd say I use chakra, but I do not. My experience is better expressed as energy centers, for lack of a better term, with a focus on connecting to universal energy through the head, maintaining the mind or witch's eye, and grounding to the earth mother through my feet. Should I change my mind, I will endeavor to study, understand chakras as defined by thousands of years of practitioners and gurus rather than the Western training which I have been privy. The same might be said of yoga, as what I have experienced has little to do with anything other than exercise. My pursuit of yoga will be more mindful of its spiritual roots and intention. In the end, the point is to be respectful. My opinion, for what it's worth, is that someone who feels called to a tradition, religion, or spiritual practice may be closed, which it may be closed, should ask those in the culture from which they practice or which the practice originates. Seek out a practitioner or mentor of that culture who is willing to advise, teach, or initiate. If the way is closed to you, then perhaps that tradition, religion, or spiritual practice is not for you and it's time to move on. Or if there is something about your path raising internal questions, then do some self-reflection. Find another way to express or practice what is a common or shared concept. Release what doesn't feel appropriate. I'm all for shared cultural experiences and expressions of worship. I love learning about cultures, traditions, and religions different from my own. And I've had enriching experiences by observing temple dances, or participating in the public rituals of other traditions. But as a matter of course, I do not wish to take what is sacred to someone else and incorporate it into my spiritual practice, life, or habits without first understanding the context of its origins or having respect for the people from whom it is a heritage. All right. So that's our episode for today. Thank you so much for joining us. 
If you wish to contact us, please email from ashesweRise2 at gmail.com. Stay safe, stay healthy, have a very blessed day. Namaste. This episode of the Goddess Morning Show is brought to you by From Ashes We Rise To.com, where you can get wellness coaching using holistic methods of healing, purchase our handcrafted, custom blended, organic, non GMO herbal teas that are crafted with love, and also order hand poured soy candles infused with love and pure essential oils and herbs to heal using aromatherapy. Visit our website at fromasheswerise2.com. That's fromasheswerise with the number 2.com to read more about these products and services. Have a blessed day.